coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we are back. We've had a few difficulties of the past couple weeks uh, that have kept us from recording. Uh, some technical difficulties, some quarantine-related difficulties. But <laughs> you know how life goes. But we're back here. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Halloween series. That took uh, a good couple weeks to get through, but we... Uh, I feel like we covered it pretty well. I think so. And, it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah, that was great. We covered a great series, a uh, great classic horror series. And, you know, when we were thinking about what to do next, it, we had a lot of more horror ideas, but we wanted to give you a little bit of a break from horror for a while while still covering something that is very much in our wheelhouse. And so we're starting a new series this week with the films of Neville Dean Taylor. Woohoo! Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, uh, Neville the Dean uninitiated. Ta- yes, the <laughs> uninitiated. Uh, Neville Dean Taylor is the directing team of Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor. Um, they are known for creating some extremely over the top films uh, with really crazy cinematography, uh, doing all sorts of innovative techniques. They they made most of their uh, best known works in the mid 2000s and they were sort of on the forefront of digital filmmaking and uh using uh digital cameras to film action movies right it it's hard to describe exactly their style but if you've seen it you then know. you know it yeah <laughs> it's it's crazy all over the place lots of fast cutting lots of crazy camera angles lots of really unusual techniques they they're known for uh filming scenes on rollerblades as they like zoom alongside cars and running people uh why not not? (laughs) they 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 do like a sort of a improvised bullet time like you've seen in the matrix but like a much more lo-fi version of that yes uh it's it's really crazy and the one thing i feel like we're not going to be able to do justice to is the visual style so I highly encourage everyone to at least uh, glance through some of these movies to see exactly what is so crazy about them because they are really a visual treat. They really are. Visuals are half the the experience of watching this movie. So We're going to kick off this week with uh, the movie that got them started, the film Crank 2006. Woo-hoo. And its sequel, Crank High Voltage, from 2009. Hell yeah. Love it. Crank. Crank. Meth. Um, these movies were fun. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Toned down start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. As a fitting beverage for tonight, I am drinking a Red Bull Vodka. That's really Cause... smart. I did not do that. And also, I want to sleep after this. Um, <laughs> so good for you. Really happy to hear that. You should have planned ahead, Matt. Come on. Um, I <laughs> have to get up really early. So um, so this is going to be like you your... probably you will probably <laughs> be getting up very early. Yeah, we <laughs> have to get up early to watch the KBO. 
I know. So, <laughs> so we're, neither we're of both us... going to be up early. Yeah. Um, um, we'll make it though. Um, this is going to be like your own personal version of Crank. You have to keep yourself awake while you're reviewing these movies. That's not uh, always easy for me. We know that I can't stay awake. Um, so um, I am not drinking a Red Bull vodka. I'm drinking a Jack Rose, but it is the color of a heart, sort of. So we'll just go with that instead. It's that's fitting. That's pinkish fitting. red. You know? <laughs> um. So uh, the basic plot of Crank is that this hitman wakes up and finds out that he's been poisoned with this crazy Chinese shit, yeah, which is um, which affects his heart. And uh, it's like slowing his heart rate. And the only way he can um, stop from dying is to get his adrenaline going because that apparently counteracts the poison. So he has to go through a series of... Uh, events that ups his adrenaline and gets his heart pumping all while trying to track down the people who poisoned him and figure out a way to get an antidote yes it's all very much a video game like the whole thing is just like like you can't let your like you know levels drop below a certain certain level or whatever you're like energy levels but you have to keep going on with the plot and doing this and doing that um it's like grand theft auto on crack half the time um, yeah it's very video game influence. There's a lot of video game style graphics throughout yeah, and, the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not like a they they very much recognize that the opening title card is like an eight bit heart with the word crank overlaid it um, and yeah. like flashing colors. Um, so it's also kind of like the movie Speed if Jason Statham played the bus. If, yeah, if Jason Statham played the bus. I was like, where is this going? Uh, but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, that's true. He can't slow down unless he can. It's very, sometimes it's not clear. He can slow down if he does certain things. And then, you know, um, he can snort a bunch of nasal spray and that might work. Um, the nasal spray is a particular joy to me. Um, I really enjoy <laughs> the nasal spray scenes. Um, so, yeah. But it's a lot of fun. You also get thrown like right into it. Like there's like no like buffer. There's no buildup. It's just like Jason Statham wakes up and he gets told that he's like dying. And then it's just like off to the races, like <laughs> from the get go. It's like insanity, um, which is great. That's a great way to open a movie. Just like fucking full throttle. Charlie's Angels. Um, yeah. It's pretty much full throttle the entire time, too. Yeah, I never like, saw it. Down. There's, there's like never a moment. Yeah. Down moments. Um. He yeah, so he he wakes up and finds out this like recording showing him getting the poison injected, which is like a very saw moment. <laughs> it's very saw. I'm glad you thought saw, which is like a nice like normal and appropriate parallel. And my first thought was, oh, you know, at the end of Fifty First Dates, when she has to wake up and see the video <laughs> explaining. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> That's a much happier videotape than Saw this one. Did, Saw did come come to mind next, to be clear. But I, my first thought was, for some reason, 50 First Dates, which I haven't seen other than the first time I saw it. I've seen it exactly one time, but that stands out to me. Um, There's a lot of Saw parallels in here, I think. They both came out around the same time. Two year, uh, this was two years after the first Saw. So. Yeah, and uh, they both have a sort of a similar kinetic editing style. And like Absolutely. oversaturated film and uh, like really crazy camera angles and over the top uh, violence. <laughs> yes, lots of over the top violence too. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely that parallel there. 
Um, so yeah, basically the, the whole, there's not a lot of plot in this film, not at least no. worth going into too much, but basically there's just a lot. Of, it's, it's a lot of crazy set pieces strung together of him doing these insane things to get his adrenaline going. Uh, it's also before we really get into this, we should probably mention something about both this and the sequel. Uh, these are very much films of their time. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of like casual racist jokes and uh, sexism uh, in these films that I feel like would not go over too well in 2020. No, um, it's, it's a nice reminder of like if you think we haven't come a long ways in like a few years just remember that crank and crank high voltage exist and we've come a long ways in 14 and 11 years respectively like in terms yeah. of that sort of thing um yeah yeah it's just like a lot of edgy style humor that probably goes a bit too far in several places yeah uh one of the most notable bits is uh when chev uh chev chelios who is the main character uh steals a cab from a Middle Eastern cab driver by throwing him out of the front and yelling, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda. And then a bunch of like old women attack him. Yes, a bunch of old white women. Um, it's very, yeah, I when I was watching that, like my jaw was on the floor. And I've seen the first Crank. I had not seen Crank High Voltage. Um, but my, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I'd completely forgotten about that. I think that, what sticks with me with this movie is not that moment. So I, you know, like I had forgotten that this movie was so like regressive. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely forgot about that element of it. I was more thinking about all the crazy stunts. Uh, which I mean, yeah. Movie. And there's a lot of that. It like the problem. I mean, I guess like it should be like, just like upfront, like a lot of the, the prop, like, the racial issues in the movie are sort of like also like the foundation for the plot a lot of the time. So like, you know, right. like it is like the Chinese poison is in his blood. And like, it's like, he was like out to like whack some Chinese guy and like, you know, like, and like, it's all about like these different like race based gangs who are vying for power right. in Los Angeles. And like, there's a lot of race gangs in here. And yeah. And so like the, the race is like really foregrounded. So you experience it a lot. Like, <laughs> Like a lot, a lot. Um, sometimes it's less bad than others. Sometimes it's clearly just like having fun with like, like stereotypes of like Asian action movies, like Chinese and Japanese action movies. Like sometimes that's what's happening, right? Right. Um, yeah. But like sometimes it's not that. <laughs> sometimes so. it goes a little too far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not. There's also some not so great gay representation in here. No, uh, his, uh, uh for Pedro is um <laughs> yeah. like Efren <laughs> Ramirez, aka Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, is like sort of Chev's sidekick here for a little while, and he's like a really uh full-on gay stereotype, which is not great. No, um, I mean, at least there was a gay character in 2006 um, true, in, an act, in a really violent action film. Those movies ne didn't necessarily typically have those sorts of characters. Um, he, he did not the best, not the worst representation in the mid two thousands though. So I <laughs> certainly not. No. Um, you know, at least he's like willing to fight at moments. Maybe not well, maybe not well. He does use like a wooden rolling pin 
to fight um <laughs> to fight a very tough gang member but you know hey he tried he helps he, he stops chev from getting killed at that one point so yes he was at least somewhat effective yes uh yeah and uh so a lot of the the anyway the various ways that Chev Chelios manages to uh, keep his adrenaline going include uh, like speeding in his car very fast, uh, fighting the other gangsters. Like he shows up at the hideout of the black gang, because again, as we mentioned, every gang here is just one race. Um, he shows up. And- That's not totally true. The second movie has the gay gang. Who yes. are like the the gay strippers? Um. <laughs> the gay gangs show up at the end of the second film, yes. like the intersectional heroes that we need, yeah. and they're like, "We are the future," and they <laughs> save the day. It's an incredible moment. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yes. Um, and the first, yeah, in the first movie, so he, he's at the the hideout, of the black gang, and at first he's just there to interrogate this one guy that he thinks knows about the whereabouts of the guy who poisoned him. And then the guy, the guy's like, no, I don't know. Like if I knew I would be after him because he owes me money. So whatever. And then Chev's like, starts like, uh, losing his heart power or whatever. He like, he, the poison's taking hold. So he's like falling to the ground. He gets, <laughs> them to bring him some cocaine oh yeah i forgot about the <laughs> cocaine that he snorts like off of the floor yeah. he drops it. <laughs> he's like in this filthy bathroom uh saw vibes again Straight up this is <laughs> uh, yeah it's like saw vibe but also like every gay bar i've ever been to in New York City. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he like breaks open this packet of coke it's like all over the floor he's just like snorting it off the filthy floor and then, like, he seems to recover a bit from the poison, and he decides he needs more of a dose. So then he's just, like, he decides to pick a fight with the entire gang like, yep. in their hideout. So he's just, like, fighting and brawling his way out. Um, and, yeah, a number of times in this movie, he specifically picks a fight just to get his heart pumping again. Yes. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's just one example. He, uh, oh, he, th- throughout all of this, he's sort of like phoning back and forth with his doctor, who is a very fun character. Yes, uh, uh, Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. Um. <laughs> he's just like this long haired, like slobby kind of guy who like the, every time he picks up the phone, he's like drinking or like partying or something. He's just like kind of hanging out. He, he's like taking a plane back to Los Angeles, so he can't be there right away, but he's like racing to help Chev but he's also like drinking on the plane and stuff. And so he's, he's like, not- like he's flying from like what appears to be like a brothel. Like he literally was like in a yeah, brothel yeah. at one point. And then <laughs> and he's like, and I'll be back in LA in an hour. And I was like, where were you that you were at a brothel and then could get on a plane and be in LA in an hour? Or Maybe. where are you flying from? <laughs> like- <laughs> Obviously uh, Carson County, Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's uh like the doctor it gets like back and forth with him and he like sort of provides some exposition about like what the poison is, what he needs to do to counteract it. Uh, he tells Chev to get so like artificial epinephrine 
to uh, keep his heart going. So he goes to a pharmacy to get that, but the pharmacy won't give it to him because it's like, you know, a very controlled drug and so he can't is just this, have is it. Chester Bennington? Is yes, that the, the Chester, Chester Bennington scene? Another uh, Saw connection. Another yes, Saw connection. Yet another Saw connection. Um, uh, this is this is such a mid 2000s film, yeah, like every oh bit God. of it. Um, uh, Mr. Yeah, Bennington Chester- tells him to take the nasal spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he comes up to him and he's like all punked out. He's got like the piercings and everything. And he's just like, hey, man, take take nasal spray. It's got lots of epinephrine. It'll get you tweaked. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> this is a, mind you that this is like the gift shop or pharmacy of like a hospital or something like it's like completely insane that he's just telling him this in this establishment he's like just take the nasal spray and so <laughs> chev just like takes a ton of nasal spray and we just get to witness him just like snorting nasal spray and i'm gonna tell you right now i have used a lot of nasal spray in my life so i'm concerned like i'm concerned <laughs> about these epinephrine levels um <laughs> He's like taking like a full cartridge at once. <laughs> yeah, it's like the bottle. Like he'll snort the whole bottle. Um, but. Um, so, but that provides like a neat little um, device for him to have some more sit down scenes later on, where he doesn't always have to be running around. Right. Uh, and he, he, so he, he, you know, he runs into his girlfriend Amy Smart, and uh, they're. Like he has to like sort of explain to her what's going on while like the also the other gang members are like chasing after him and shooting at him and all that stuff. Uh, and he has to explain that he's a hitman, which she, she apparently doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's actually I wrote in my notes. I was like, does she not know? What does she think he does? Like he's just like very clearly nothing about him screams anything other than Hitman. Apparently he claimed to be a video game programmer, which is both like fitting for the film and also like completely implausible. Like no one would ever buy that this guy was a video no, game programmer. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, like, I do appreciate the the, I, the effort there. I know you think I program video games. Like, does she? Why? Like, why would she believe that? I don't know. Um, she's really like not bright in the first <laughs> like um she's no. her character is a little bit like changed by the second movie i actually really appreciate that the movie actually changes these like the characters change from movie to movie right that's actually kind of like it's very surprising let's just say that um but in she this gets, movie she's like very naive right and dumb yeah um, <laughs> um so yeah she gets much more uh like savvy in the second one and she's more like just sort of going along with the ride because she enjoys what's happening the first one she's just like the type like the whole time like what's going on like what is this right um and they have this scene where they uh they have sex in public so that he can like keep keep the adrenaline going and like at first she is like no what are you doing like no no and then like she starts getting into it and then everyone around them, like this is taking place in like Chinatown or something. It's I think like the, it's definitely like a, a shopping strip in Chinatown. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like everyone gathers around and they're like cheering them on. And then... Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's actually a pretty fun scene. I mean, barring the moments where it's sort of like, maybe like the protesting should have been like a, he should have stopped 
from the way she was like saying no. Um, like there, there's some questions about that, but um, he, he sort of pushes the boundaries of what's considered consent yeah, here again, 2006. Um, <laughs> right. right. And like, that's not definitely not an excuse on that one either, but it's very clear that she is ultimately into it. Um, but like, still it's, you know, it's, it's a little uncomfortable for a moment. Um, when I was watching it in 2020, I was like, mm. Uh, Chev is but, certainly not an unproblematic hero here. Like he, no. he does a lot oh my of God, no. not he, great shit here. He's very problematic. I will say he's like those um you know those people who like say things on their like social media bio and they're like, oh, I'm not racist, homophobic, whatever. I hate everyone equally. I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> hater. He's like one of those people. Like, exactly. Yeah. He like hates everybody and he will use slurs to express it, but he will use slurs about every single one of you. And it's like, okay, that doesn't make it okay, but okay. Um, that's just like who Chev is, right? Yeah. Um, so um, although he doesn't like really use like he doesn't drop like the N bomb or anything, right? No. Um no, so, this film um, does not go that far, thankfully. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, he just but he like does say like, I like, want, <laughs> I want to beat some black ass at one point. Oh yeah, that's and, what he says when he's gonna get into a fight and with the with the the black gang in the in the club. Um, yeah. First of all, also their like hideout is like a vacant club. Like it's like a very strange hideout. Like there's like no tables at one point. It's just like open floor with like black walls with like chalk writing on it. I'm like, what do you do here? Do you just like stand in a corner? Like um, do cocaine off your fingers? Um, anyway, um, that's beside the point. They have this public sex and it is a very, I, I feel like the movie was just like, we need to work sex into this movie. And we need to like just up the ante. And they were like, let's make it public and not care if it makes sense. Um, <laughs> right. um, this will look good, good in the trailer, which it did. So like, I mean, it like, cause like that was actually the point where I wrote in my notes and I was like, I have a lot of questions about like what raises enough adrenaline for it to matter. Like, because I, I, yeah, no full disclosure. I've had public sex. It's not that much of an adrenaline rush. Like it's not waking. Like I'm not, it's not doing that to me. Like, I don't well, know. Well, like, the, the difference I suppose is like, are you, were you trying to keep it secret? Cause like here, he's not obviously he's like doing right, it in they're front trying of everyone. To get watched. They, they want everybody to watch. I definitely was not <laughs> when it was in public. I wasn't doing that. Maybe some other times I was doing it for people to watch, but the times in public, no. So like, you didn't have like a crowd around you cheering you on. No, um, <laughs> that is definitely a different thing. Um, I'm trying to combine right now the sensations in my head of like public sex and being on a stage where people have cheered me on. And let's see if I can combine those sensations to make sense of the adrenaline rush. Uh -huh. No, because on stage when people are cheering me on, I actually just feel deep shame and regret for letting people witness me. So <laughs> yikes. <laughs> That is no, that's not great. Um, uh, just, <laughs> wait, this is a therapy session now. Um, yeah. but like, so no, but that's okay. I get like, I get it's just, it was just like a very funny moment where I was like, I wonder about like adrenaline levels, like what is like enough? Like, but I guess like it would vary from person to person, right? Um, for some people, that probably is enough. For me, I'd be like, well, this is like, you know, I'm gonna be anxious now, so. It's very interesting, but it unfortunately is cut short because 
he sees the person who like is responsible for like stealing his heart or like is involved or something. And so he has to go chase them down. Um, yeah. But fortunately that might also boost his adrenaline. So it's okay. Like he had to cut the sex right. short, but it was to go chase somebody, which is also an adrenaline rush. So <laughs> yeah, he's always running around. And uh, <laughs> after he leaves Amy smart there, she has to just sort of like walk off <laughs> by herself. It's a very upsetting <laughs> he moment. He just for sort her. of runs off and like she's just like surrounded by all these people who are watching them have sex and she's just like kind of like uh I really appreciate how many people were like into the sex. Like <laughs> they were all like totally on board. They were like it cheering like, it on and it's like that like you know, I it was, feel like, like people mo- of all ages like you know yeah. there were old people cheering them on and young people. Yeah. Uh yeah, very very enthusiastic crowd for this public sex act. I really appreciated that. Um, because, you know, like there's like, you know, s- somebody would call the police in real life. Um, <laughs> right. You know, there'd be somebody who'd be like, um, hello, cops. Listen, I can't imagine doing that. I'd be like, these people are just, you know, I'm just going to move on. I'm not going to call anyone. Um, <laughs> oh, and of maybe- course. Yeah. I mean, the cops are like sort of after him this whole time. Cause he's causing like all this mayhem around town. Yeah. He's, I will like, say what this movie was ahead everything. of its time for, was it like, this movie did not like police. And so um, <laughs> this movie or the sequel, it was like, well, you know, cops might suck. Um, so at least I got, you know, that's like a common sentiment now. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, not to we... be political on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, we, we sort of zip past this and I'm not exactly sure where it fits into the whole chronology. I'm pretty sure it's before the public sex part, but we have to talk about the hospital scene. Uh, oh, how, that is before the public sex part. Yes. Yes. How does he get to the hospital again? Oh, that's that's when he's running after after they denied him the epinephrine. He's like running through the hospital trying to find another way to get some. Yeah, because it's because the, she has the the receptionist or whatever at the pharmacy that's in the hospital is calling the police. So Chester Bennington tells him to take a bunch of nasal spray. So he's grabbing the nasal spray and just trying to casually walk out. But then it turns out she's told everybody in the hospital somehow that he's there and they all know. So he's being chased. Yeah. So they're all running off. He like ducks into a room and like pulls on a, like a patient gown. So he's like trying to disguise himself as a patient, but he's walking around the halls of a hospital, just like (laughs) walking just fine in the patient gown with no accompaniment and holding a gun. (laughs) So it's like not the best disguise. No, um, um, it's not. <laughs> the cops like find him pretty quickly, or, or security or whoever's chasing him, uh, and he he runs into um, Glenn Howerton. Yeah, Glenn <laughs> Howerton from Always Sunny in a great little cameo here. I didn't, was Sunny even going at this point? This must have either been like the first year that it was on air or like it wasn't even air. That's actually yet. a really good question because I just assumed it was because It's Always Sunny has been going for like as long as I've been like fucking alive. Um, but yeah, was it? It started in 05. So yeah, it was like its first year. Yeah. This was yeah. like just, just after Always Sunny came on the air. So, uh, and he's, he's like a, a doctor or orderly or something. They're helping this patient down the hallway and he's pushing the cart along and Jeb like runs up to him and he's like asking him for the epinephrine, whatever. He's holding the gun on him. <laughs> he's like, come on, come on, move it. <laughs> he's like really freaking this guy like, out. Ah, ah. <laughs> like, come on, I don't it's have really all day. <laughs> Do I look like I have all day? <laughs> 
And like, meanwhile, the cops are also chasing them down the hallway. So it's this very crazy scene. Um, I do like he, Chev's approach that like maybe this guy just has epinephrine on his cart that he's pushing down the hallway. It's like, why would he? Why would you assume that? Well, apparently he does because he gives it to him. And yeah, but also- I don't think that's the norm. I don't think that's like the standard of like hospital carts that they just have epinephrine. But well, maybe. I mean, the, who, who? It's a who common ass- drug that's used, but like. Who would assume that in the second movie that the ambulance would have a battery for a specific type of artificial heart? So there's a lot of. I mean, not to get into the second movie, but it kind of seemed like that kind of artificial heart wasn't like a. It was not like the norm, but it was like a thing that people knew about. Like, right. But um, they like maybe just happen to have that battery. But maybe the the type of artificial heart just shares a battery with other things. It's not. Could be. Could be. I guess. Um, But yeah, so he does get the epinephrine from this guy. And then he also gets him to shock him with like the uh, the defibrillator paddles. Yeah, which is a, a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great a great stunt because he like flies backward in the hospital elevator and then like goes down. That's how he escapes from the hospital because the elevator closes and then he goes down uh, and he shoots himself up with the epinephrine and he does way more than the doctor told him to. He's like, well, um, to, you know. Yeah, the the doctor the doctor had told him to like take one fifth of a syringe, and he just takes the whole thing, and he's like talking to him on the phone. He's like, "Oh boy, like you're I'm surprised your heart hasn't given out." Okay, he's like, "This movie should like if you're ever drinking to this movie, one of the drinking rules is drink every time somebody tells Chev he should be dead. They're surprised he isn't dead." Or like his heart should have given out. Like yeah. just every single one of those times, take a drink because it happens like every five minutes. It's like every phone call with the doctor. He's like, "You should be dead by now." Um, <laughs> like, I'm surprised you're not, but all right. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like pretty impressive. Uh, and of course, that's like the running gag of the movie and then the sequel too. Um, but like, yeah, he takes way, 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 way more. I also think it's very funny that the cure to this poison is epinephrine to make your, I mean, doesn't that make your heart pump faster? So how does that slow down the poison in your blood? I don't. I think the way they they explain it is that the adrenaline replaces it, like pushes the poison out of the receptors, like the neuro receptors that it would attach to. Uh, (laughs) I don't I don't think this movie is at all medically accurate, but yeah, that's I was gonna say I really like how you're starting to use really big science words, and those are not necessarily things that we need to get into. <laughs> that um, that is what that is what their explanation is. I yeah. it probably makes no sense whatsoever, but that that is science how they... side of our fan base. Please explain. Um, yes. So yeah, so anyway, like he's super amped up. He's like racing around the streets. He gets into a fight with some cops and steals a motorcycle. And then he's like, like surfing on the motorcycle. <laughs> he's like yes. sta- standing up on it. And like, and this is when I wrote Jason Statham ass because it's yes. just like this moment of like him on the motorcycle and you just see like his full round ass, like framed by the camera. Yeah. Like, he's still in the hospital gown. So yeah, you get a lot of shots of him from behind with it flapping and just like his ass fully displayed you get a lot of shots of jason satham's ass in this movie so if that's what you're looking for this is the one this is you the could movie do worse if you are looking to see male ass in a movie you could do worse i will say that 
It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Not bad. Uh, so yeah, that, that that I think leads into the whole public sex scene and everything else. But anyway, he ends up at the yes, because like, that's when he goes to the apartment of his girlfriend because he he tells her I came from the hospital. Yes, when he gets yes. there. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> then he's there and he tells her what his actual job <clears throat> is, and then they go out. I don't know why they leave and end up in Chinatown. I can't remember. But they, they, they go out. They go out to dinner where he like sits her down and explains that he's a hitman. Uh, oh right, they have dinner. I forgot that they have food for some reason. I don't know why <laughs> they go out for that instead of just doing it at home when you're on the run from people. But whatever. Um, <laughs> it's just a funny little moment. Yeah. Uh, well, another funny moment is when like they're about to leave her apartment and he's what and she's like, "Where's your car?" And he's like, "I took a cab." And it cuts to like the police motorcycle on fire, like somewhere okay. <laughs> near the apartment building. Uh, yes, and that's also when he sees like the guy, one of the guys who's involved with like poisoning him or whatever, and he goes to like fight him while like knocking all the contents of her purse out. So she's just like trying to pick up all of her purse contents, yeah. and he's just like having this fist fight in the background, just like taking yeah. this guy out. He has to keep distracting her while he kills these guys in the background. Yeah. That's a very funny scene as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, after after all that bit, he ends up at uh like the warehouse that's like the headquarters of the the triad which is the the gang that's after him um oh and uh at this point the the bad guys have like kidnapped his sidekick and killed him uh which is not fun and it's <laughs> not a good thing too um... yeah is this, okay, so he's at the the so this he's at the warehouse. Is it the warehouse of the gang who it's the warehouse of the gang who poisoned him, right? Yeah. But it's in Chinatown above like a fabric warehouse that is run by like Chinese people in the city, like everybody yeah. who works downstairs is okay. Okay, <laughs> they're just like upstairs from because like it should be clear that the, the, the gang that kidnapped him is like the Latino gang in town. Like, they're, like, not the Chinese gang. Like, these are, like, different... Because there is the Chinese gang. That's actually who he... He was supposed to kill the head of, like, the quote-unquote Chinese gang or whatever. So, yeah, he works... So, (laughs) there's so many gangs in this movie, it's hard to keep it straight. He works for one gang, and he was supposed to kill the head of this Chinese gang, but he let him go... And because that's, he wanted to get out of the whole business. Yes, he wanted to get out of the business, and that's why people are after him because he didn't do this thing. But like the Latino gang is the one that poisoned him. But is that why? I was very confused because at one point he's having that conversation with the guy from the Latino gang, or the one gang. I can't remember who it was. The at the head of hit the Latino gang. What's um. What's the guy who was like the head? Well, the head uh, of Carlito, his gang. Carlito. Carlito is the head of his gang. What, was it Carlito think... who's like, did you pull the trigger talking about how he killed, uh, what's his name? Don Kim, maybe? Um, yeah. And he's like, yes, I pulled the trigger. And it's like, so do people think, people think he actually did it. So because right. Don Kim disappears for 48 hours. That was like. Well, it's kind of complicated. I think. Oh, yes. Actually, I think. I think what happens is like he. They think he did, and so, but they like they weren't supposed to do that hit. So they're making him the scapegoat for that, even though the guy's right. not actually dead. He was told to do it, but 
he didn't want to do it, but the guy disappeared to make it seem like he did it. But even though he was told to do it, he wasn't supposed to actually do it. They just wanted to whack Chev, right? Like, so yeah. it's like, make him kill this guy and then take him out for killing that guy so that we could get rid of both of them. It was that sort of thing. Aren't you glad we focused on the plot for a minute there? I, I, <laughs> I say it was that sort of thing. So that's like a normal, like, oh, this is just like a normal, like, it was that sort of thing. You know, when that happens in life, um, I right. have never experienced this gang activity. <laughs> but um, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so yeah, he's at the Latino gang's headquarters, which is in Chinatown for some reason. <laughs> that and- was confusing to me. I was like, why is it here? Like, it appears to be above a warehouse that is definitely run by, like, the Chinese faction in the city, but the upper level is like the Latino gang. And like, but like, I think they maybe are just using the space. And it's maybe not their headquarters, generally. It's not Ricky Verona. Is it Ricky Verona's headquarters? That's what I want to know. I don't think so. It's not where he was getting a blowjob at that one point. Yes. We, we mentioned, we mentioned, we forgot to mention the whole blowjob scene where he's like <laughs> driving the car and getting roadhead. Yes. Um, <laughs> That Wait, no, no, no. I, I was thinking, okay, yes, that, I was talking about Ricky Verona getting a blowjob. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, Ricky yeah. Verona. I forgot season. about, oh my god, I forgot about Chev getting the blowjob too, holy shit. Um, but like, <laughs> I was talking about when this was after Chev has killed Ricky Verona. Ricky Verona is the guy who like, it's like heading up the Latino gang, essentially, that poisoned him, right? Like, yes. He's sort yes. of acting sort of rogue, maybe? It's very confusing. Um, But like, he like poisoned Chev. And so like, but he has a brother and he's the brother who attacks Chev in an alley and the gay character, Efren Ramirez tries to hold him off. And so it's that scene and Chev kills him. And that tends, turns out to be Ricky Verona's brother. And when Chev calls Ricky to tell him about killing his brother, Chev is, or Ricky is getting a blowjob from someone. Um, That's what I meant. And I was saying that that's not, where Ricky is getting that blowjob is not this warehouse. Okay. So maybe this warehouse is not their headquarters. It's just like a side place where they told him to meet them yeah, because that's a whole thing. It's like, can we find, where can we find him? And like, that's, they end up there. So yeah, they sh- they show up there. He finds out that Kalo's dead. He also finds out that Carlito, who's his boss ordered them to kill him. Yes. Which like, I don't know. Do, do they explain why? Like, I mean, no, it's I'm maybe saying it's Carlito. Thing. Yeah, I was going to say that's why Carlito was like, we want to get rid of Don Kim. But also Chev is like a little like, I feel like Chev is like a, a wild. What's the, um, you know, in the loose the cannon. Night. Yeah, he's a loose cannon. I was going to say he's like a, a mad dog. You know, <laughs> sometimes you're just like chasing things. You don't know what you're going to do with the bone when you get it, but you're just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, like he's just like a little like unpredictable. And so it's like if we can take them both out and that way we have a little stability in like the gang wars or whatever. Um, I feel like it's like that scenario. I think that's what's happening. It's not clear. I'm assuming things, but I think that I'm right. So I'm going to go with it. Okay, so there's a shootout there and Amy Spark shows up here for some reason. She had to know (laughs) that it was all true. Followed him there and like she's like. So she gets to see firsthand, like all the the his life here. Uh, anyway, like, so he he finds out from the doctor that like he, there's no way for him to counteract this poison, that like he can't do anything about it. So he decides to like go out guns blazing, and 
meet up with like all the people who are trying to kill him uh, on this rooftop. And uh, so (laughs) there's this really weird scene where he like he pretends to he like takes out a finger gun. Okay, okay, wait, no, no, no. We we need to not jump straight to the finger okay, gun. Okay, all right. We need to be in the, the elevator. He's in the oh, elevator. The elevator. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. The elevator scene on the way up there. The elevator scene is great. It's like the one moment of like introspection in this film. Yeah, and I think what's important about it. Okay, so he's in this elevator, and there's like this like slightly elderly, not quite elderly, but like older Chinese gentleman on the elevator with him, and like. Basically, Jason Statham, Chev, has this, like, vision of the guy, like, talking to him, but it's, like, in all of his different various interactions, all of these different people's voices, right? Like, yeah, he hears, like, everybody that he's been interacting with throughout the film, including himself. Like, at one point, he's talking in Chev's voice. Um, So, it's, like, this really interesting scene where it's, like, he's, like... It's like, basically, I don't know. It's like, sort of, like you said, it's introspection. He's sort of like thinking like, I have wreaked all of this havoc, like this sort of like situation. Like he's like, this is, you know, people are dying and it's my fault. Um, (laughs) um, um, But then at the same time, what I think it really sets up with this finger gun situation you talk about, is it like, you're seeing Chev and like Chev does not look well through all of this. Like he is looking like, really sickly and you're seeing these shots of this Chinese guy in the elevator who's looking like what the fuck are you talking about like and so like you are left with the impression in this elevator scene that Chev is like snapped like he's like fully hallucinating yeah and so when you get to this scene on the rooftop and he's like confronting the Carlitos gang and he's like you know like uh, blah 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 and he's pointing his finger gun at them and everybody's like shaking their head like oh my god so you're thinking, oh my God, he's like fully <laughs> lost. Like he's yeah. fucking insane. So I think it's just an important precedent because you really have no idea what's going to happen yeah. in this moment. <laughs> it's not like you come in thinking Jason Statham has control of the situation at all. Right. You he think he's lost like his mind. <laughs> he's just going to die at this point, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he pulls out the finger gun. And he's pointing around and like, everybody's like, what have you finally gone mad? Have you lost it? Like, are you completely insane now? And you're thinking, yes, <laughs> that's yeah, actually exactly probably. what happened. <laughs> but then he, he cocks down his thumb and one guy actually like his head explodes. Yes. Yes. And, and it's just like, it's this moment, like it before the reveal, it just like freezes on this. And like, for a second you're like is this movie like actually so insane that he can shoot people with his fingers and then it's revealed that like the the chinese gang is standing behind him with the boss that he was supposed to kill yes i also love that they were standing there and like when the camera pans to show them there's no effort to show that they were hiding it's just like they're there but nobody else noticed them and it's like all right like just standing there the whole time they were so focused on chelios that they didn't see a whole other gang standing on the other side of the rooftop (laughs) (laughs) it's really good it's really fucking good um and so like all out war breaks loose right like people are just like shooting people are dying everything is crazy um this is a really fun scene it's very violent yeah Lots and, of people like, are going down. The, the the visual style is on full display here. There's all sorts of crazy angles and quick cutting and stuff. 
again, like I wish we could describe this stuff better, but this is really a visual visual medium at this point. At one point during this fight, Barona manages to inject him with another syringe of the poison. I really enjoyed that, <laughs> which yeah. Which is like, how on earth is this guy still walking around at this point? But you figure he's like, he's done for now. He's definitely going to die in all of these proceedings. Uh, Carlito gets killed. Uh, a lot, a lot of the other people in the Mexican gang get killed, and Chev ends up chasing uh, Verona onto this helicopter. Now, wait, <laughs> the helicopter. Carlito made it to the helicopter, right? He makes it. It's like Carlito and Verona make it to the yeah. helicopter. Carlito's Chev, like, tr- trying to escape, but he gets killed by Verona. Yes, that's right. Because Verona, I was going to say, there's like a moment where, that's why I thought that Verona was like going rogue. That's why I had yes. that impression. Yeah, he's totally rogue. Here. Yeah, and so he like kills Carlito in the helicopter um, and throws Carlito's body out. And But then Chev shows up on the helicopter. And so then there's like this like battle in the helicopter happening. And it should be noted that this whole time there's like a news, there's like a, a news van outside of the the rooftop where it's happening yeah the news has been following him this whole time we've been getting little clips of broadcasts um and the news is now just like and now this is happening above us uh like they look they're like oh my god and like the camera pans up and it's just like this camera like chev is like hanging from the helicopter and like the helicopter is taking off and you're just like what the mother loving (laughs) um um so it's like really good yeah, and this helicopter scene is so insane too. And apparently, like part of the reason it's so good is that the actual actors did these stunts. That's and insane. It <laughs> looks it looks very dangerous. Uh, yeah. It, it like they're like actually fighting on a helicopter. And you can see like the city flying by beneath them and stuff, and they're like like going out on the runners and stuff and they're really like fighting hard here uh it looks amazing and it's probably the best stunt in this movie it it's very crazy and over the top they're fighting this helicopter and they end up of course both falling off at the same time and they're fighting in midair uh and obviously they didn't do this part for real (laughs) but they're (laughs) they're they're fighting in midair uh Chev manages to kill Verona somehow. He like, oh yeah, he he breaks his neck. Yeah. And then he's just like sort of, Chev is just sort of falling to earth, like just sort of like witnessing everything that's happened around him. He's like, he's accepted his fate and he calls up uh, Eve or Amy Smart on his cell phone, which of course gets reception, you know, a 2006 cell phone and you're like 50,000 feet up in the air or whatever. Um, um, it's and, actually like, God knows how high, because in the second movie he says, I fell from a mile and I'm like <laughs> a mile from a fucking helicopter, a mile, a mile. I don't know how high they fly. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, the air is thin up there. I just think a helicopter is not doing it. It looks like there he's fallen for a long time. Like I'd believe it. Uh, and so he's, well, he's I mean, leaving. I think that was like not realistic, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're telling me this movie is not a documentary, Matt. It seems pretty realistic to me. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> so he, yeah, he, he calls her and leaves her a message on her answering machine. Just saying like, 
he's apologizing that he's not going to be able to make it that like he's done for here and that like he loves her and all that. And then he, the final shot you get to see from the ground, you see him hit a car and like bounce off really high, (laughs) like bounces fully out of the frame and then comes down to land right in front of the camera, like staring dead eyed into it. And then like the very last second, he blinks and you hear a heartbeat and then it cuts out. Yes. And that's the movie. So like there's a chance somehow he survived even this. And that's the end of Crank. That is the end of Crank. <laughs> oh, that is the end. Oh my god. <laughs> this Crank film, is wild. It is such a wild ride. Um I I think it's great. Like like I said, there's parts of it that have not aged very well. Uh the humor certainly also, I, f- I do feel like even though the visual style is really crazy and innovative, it looks a little gimmicky now. Like when it came out, it was like super new and original. And now it's kind of like, eh, well, like, you know, we've seen fast cutting and crazy stuff like this in like other movies in the 2000s. Not yeah, quite to really, this extent. But it's you know. definitely date. I mean, a lot of aspects of it are dated. Um, and that does include the visuals. And that I mean, that's just... The movie can't really help that. Visuals have just changed so much over the past like 15 years, you know? Um, right. That's not the movie's fault. So, yeah. I still think it's very impressive. Uh, it's very unique and original and clever uh, and a lot of fun. So, it, it's still, I think it's still worth a watch these days. Uh, it's, just, it's very interesting to look back on it almost 15 years later. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Time actually <laughs> does progress, even from 2006. Crazy to think that time is actually moving right now. I know, right? And moving on to part two, crank high voltage. Hell yeah, high <laughs> voltage. Um, so, what's that like? Wasn't there like a Mountain Dew voltage something? Yes, like, yes, yeah. there was. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. Was that the orange one? I can't remember the Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew had that like, it was like a seven year period maybe where they just had like a ton of different fucking Mountain yes. Dews, and I also, get them all mixed up. Um, coincidentally, in the mid two thousands, so very fitting for this discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do uh, I mean, feel. Yeah. I what? feel like I should be drinking a Mountain Dew right now. Me too. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you're drinking a Red Bull. That's like the second. I mean, honestly, unless you had like a monster, it's like the best thing you could be drinking. That's right true. Now. That's true. They're both very much tied in to mid 2000s yeah. culture. Um, Unfortunately, I drink both of them <laughs> regularly right now uh, in 2020. But you know like, <laughs> that's OK. That's all right. It, it's I all really right to, <laughs> to be trapped in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, i certainly have been lately <laughs> um, uh we're trapped somewhere you know somewhere. might as well be in the past it's uh, better than the fucking present i'll tell you that <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> um all right so crank high voltage 2009 yeah um, you might think it would be hard to follow up a film like crank that well, is the first guess you, you actually yeah. would think that and neville dean taylor said yeah might be, but we're gonna fucking do it, and um, <laughs> they fucking did it. I'll tell you that this was they, they one up themselves. <laughs> they found a way. Um, so yes, a lot of Crank Two is very much a retread of Crank. 
Uh, and it's like but, a like a knowing like it's like half the movie like when it is a retread, it's the movie saying, "Remember that thing we did in Crank? We're gonna do that again, but we're gonna like fuck you up with it this time. It's gonna be way worse. Like <laughs> we're gonna do it way crazier or in like a new twisted way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It 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 knows that it's a sequel. It knows that it's following in the footsteps of the original in many places, but it also manages to subvert expectations in a few places and also go like way crazier than the original in some places, which is a lot to say. Yes. (laughs) Cause the original is very crazy and they found a way to even surpass that with this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. So crank high voltage begins with um begins with basically the same shot that the first one ended with with chev crashing into the car and like falling on the ground and then we see right away this van pulls up to pick him up and he gets pulled off to this surgery uh and this place is just horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh uh he's having like the very extensive surgery on him like open heart surgery and he's like half awake the entire time okay this scene is fucking hilarious he's having like surgery happen on him and he's like awake somehow um they call him superman at one point i made a a very pointed note of that they they the like it's so it's like what the chinese gang is performing surgery yeah. on him yeah um, it's it's don kim's gang but is Don Kim even involved in this movie? I don't think so. He is later, Barely. but we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's getting operated on by these Chinese doctors. And there's this one guy who will become like sort of the main villain for this. Um, that's hard to say, thinking? though, because like the main like that's not really the case. There's, there's a lot of villains, but at least for the first part of the movie, he's the main villain. John, Johnny Vang. Uh he's like he's like ashing his cigarette into chev's heart and like spitting into it something the doctors are like come on stop it like we're trying to we're trying to if you fuck up this heart like it's gonna be the boss is gonna be really mad and he's still like doing it and uh he has this really annoying laugh that i absolutely love every time he laughs in this he's like (laughs) i really enjoy that (laughs) <laughs> it's um, like it's so annoying but it's so funny this laugh comes up again in another key moment when this this is him right like he's watching like one of his henchmen get like <laughs> like butchered <laughs> human like, sushi yeah the, okay so there's this okay we'll, we'll get just, we'll get to the human yeah, sushi yeah, scene. Yeah. um <laughs> we don't have to go through this point by point though i just no yeah. no, no no but um I do want I do want to cover this scene first yeah, at least. Please cover it. Um so yeah they're they're doing all this surgery on him and they pull out his heart like while I think he's even still conscious while they've got yes. his heart out. At one point <laughs> they pull his heart out and Chev literally sits up and looks at his heart like his head leans forward and he's just like oh like <laughs> <laughs> like that's my heart right there. Yep. Uh and they put like this artificial heart in him in its place. And this they is atta- what happens when you drink a lot of Mountain Dew voltage. This is what <laughs> Basically, <happens>. yeah. <laughs> and it's got it's got like a little battery pack on the front. And um so then 
like the Johnny Vang leaves with the heart in a little cooler. And uh, then the doctors are like talking and apparently they're supposed to, the, the reason that they're keeping him alive at all is so they can harvest some of his other organs and they're about to start with his dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which they show on a very cartoony diagram that has a very large dick on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can transplant that, but apparently they're going to try. Yeah, I don't um, think that works, but good luck. At least I don't think they could in 2009. They might be able to now, but I'm pretty sure they couldn't do that now. Anyway, they're going to take his dick, and like apparently Chev was fine with him taking his heart, but he draws the line at the dick. And then, so he like gets off the table, he fights these doctors. He like kills them pretty brutally with like scalpels and stuff. Um and he runs out after his heart. Yeah. And thus begins Crank High Voltage. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, the basic plot of Crank High Voltage is very similar to Crank. He has to keep his heart going. In this case, it's an artificial heart. And he has to keep it going by keeping the battery charged. It And it's basically electrical. So there's yeah. a lot of like hooking himself up to electrical systems. There's a lot of like creating electric pulses, you know. Um, it's all electricity based rather than adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, and that leads itself to some very, very interesting moments. We, we uh, see a lot. Um, some that make more sense than others, but we'll, we'll yeah. get into that. Yes. Um, um, but it's I'd a like... lot of fun regardless. It's crazier. I'll tell you that. It's like bad shit. Yeah. Um, so I did like the first scene after he gets out of uh, surgery there. He's like stalking around trying to both find out where his heart went and also get out of like this hideout that he's in. And he's it, there's actually like some stealth moments here, which is very unusual for a crank movie. Um like the and the funny part that I wrote down here is that at one point he whistles along with the soundtrack. Oh yes, <laughs> like the the soundtrack is playing like this just very like low key stealth music, and he like comes up to like this one guy that he kills while whistling the soundtrack. I really enjoy that. Like it's a it's a very out of the box moment there, just sort of more drawing attention to how like artificial this whole film is right um i believe that first scene there where he's going around killing these guards is also when the first person says fuck you chelios which is sort of the <laughs> refrain of this film uh yes <laughs> we hear fuck you chelios at many crucial moments in this movie so many it, times it's, it's just it's like always <laughs> it's always like the precursor to something huge happening Yes. Someone will scream "fuck you, Chelios," and then he'll do something absolutely insane. Right, it's a lot of "fuck you, Chelios." The plot early on in the movie, I'm I'm having some trouble remembering where. Oh God, what like? So he like leaves this like weird facility wherever the Don Kim's gang was. Yeah, and somehow he gets to. A decrepit house that looks like Pennywise lives there, <laughs> but actually yes. Bai Ling is just there. <laughs> well, so, 
So what happens is like he calls up he calls up the doc. The doc sort of explains him the whole expository thing about how his heart works and whatever. I also uh, can't believe we haven't even mentioned Doc's. I mean, I guess we'll mention Doc's girlfriend, Chocolate. But um, yeah. in this movie, well, she actually has a bigger role. She but, shows like, up here like for for real for the first time, at least. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like so he's he's just like is opposed to being on the plane in this one he's just sort of hanging out as his own place he's actually playing mortal Kombat. he's playing <laughs> one of the 4d one of the like 3d mortal Kombat's where they can walk in a circle and fight one another um and More like, video and, game references here yeah but it's like really funny because later in the movie um spoiler alert efren ramirez is back in this movie and he like pulls out nunchucks and like fist fights with these guys like it's like very Mortal Kombat. Like yes, yes. Movie. Um, oh so it's like it's like really fun. Um, so I really loved those Mortal Kombat. Also, no secret to anybody who knows me that I'm a huge Mortal Kombat fan. So I was just like, yes, um, that was a great <laughs> moment. Uh, so the doc explains to him how the artificial heart works and everything. And this was a, a another like really quirky moment for the movie because like as he's explaining it. The video is like an old timey film strip explaining oh, yeah. how an artificial heart works. <laughs> and I'm just like, good God, they're just like really doing it with this one. They're I also doing- like that it was like they get to this artificial heart thing and they explain it, and it's like, I don't know, like it's just like the way it's presented. There's no like, oh, you didn't think this was like a normal thing in this world. Like, like there's no like, oh, like you know, like this is actually like weird it's like nope this is normal that, that that's just how this world is we have artificial hearts you didn't know that and it's like oh okay i guess we're just doing this now and <laughs> we're moving on <laughs> like yep, yep. <laughs> it's it's very matter of fact you know yeah. once once the exposition's been laid out you're not expected to question it it's nope. just how this works uh and uh <laughs> yeah so he he dr- he's like driving uh, to to go to the Cypress Social Club, which is what like the one bit of information he got from the thugs at uh, the hideout is that uh, Johnny Vang was going to the Cypress Social Club, and so he's going around. He like drag races with these guys, and oh like oh my god, he, I forgot about the drag he's, race. He's thing. asking them like where the Cypress Social Club is, and then he just like randomly runs into a barricade and crashes and like comes flying out the windshield. Yeah. And, and so he has to make them jump start him. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, he's like, can you give me a jump? And they look at his car and it's completely wrecked. And then he pulls open his shirt and they're like, all right, whatever. And they attach like one of the, uh, one of the little clamps to his nipple and he attaches the other one to his tongue and he just gets like electrocuted. <laughs> and that look. apparently charges his heart. He like runs after that. And like, okay, so I've got so many questions about that moment. Like the guys who drag raced him and let him do that, they like did that. Like they said, (laughs) yes, we will actually jumpstart you while you have our jump cables clamped to your tongue and nipple. We will actually do this. We will. They just, they seem so chill the Um, entire time though. All they really want to do is drag race. And they're not gonna they're not gonna question this weird guy who's like <laughs> crashing a car and then seems totally chill about it. Um, and then you wouldn't question it when he wants him. to like get himself blown up like a normal human. That's <laughs> no, what would happen. They're just like, um, whatever, you know, we're done drag racing, we'll do whatever you want. Uh 
it's very it's very strange um <sighs> but it's very good he runs he just like bullets after that. yeah He's like yeah and this is this is one of the scenes where they do like that sort of uh lo-fi bullet time thing like where you can see him running and the camera like in real time like moves around him right. as he's running in that sort of bullet time way yeah again very hard to describe on but audio yeah. but when you if you watch it you'll you'll know what i'm talking about um and yeah so he basically like just sprints over to this place uh which is apparently like two miles away as they they told him and he gets there like instantly and he shows up at this place which yeah it looks like the house from it yes the house <laughs> on Naval like, street this like horribly like... <laughs> horribly decrepit house he's like this is a social club what? yeah um <laughs> but he goes like in he goes there and just starts beating people up uh there's there's a bunch of guys there yeah, it should be noted that he's like much angrier this time around. Like he's just like <laughs> he's just like going in and just like doing it. Like he's like there's like no I mean, he's fighting anyone and not just to keep his adrenaline up or anything. He's just like doing that. Like that's just who he is now. He's just like beating people up. He's yeah. like angry about it. He's like when he decides to kill someone, it's like more violent than before. Like he's just like a very different I think it's like one, it's like, you know, in Halloween 2, 2009, when Michael <laughs> Myers is much more violent. But two, it's like the much more believable version of when Jon Snow was resurrected. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like I died once. I'm not dying again. I'm not, di I'm not dying again. And I'm pissed off that I died. Like, I am <laughs> pissed the fuck off. Like, and like, that's how it feels. And like, I think it's like super believable as like a character thing. Like he was already a killer. He was killed and he comes back and he's like, I'm mad that somebody fucking, like I had to die to like, for no fucking reason. I had to die because I didn't kill someone. That's insane. Like, and so he's angry and he should be angry. And so, but like, maybe, you know, your anger shouldn't be just like killing everybody viciously and like impaling them on like pipes, but like, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it seems to work out for him. Yeah. Uh, I like the part where actually this might've been an earlier scene, but it, it's in one of these scenes where he's fighting guys. He's like, where's the guy who's got my strawberry tart? And the text appears on the screen and says strawberry tart equals heart. <laughs> he's like he uses a lot of cockney slang in this one which he didn't really use in the first film uh, you go back to your roots you know yeah he's got he's got the full english thing going on in this one um also yeah there there is a lot of like text on the screen in this installment well, 2009 like, was getting there you know like 2006 yeah. it wasn't really like a thing but it was getting very yeah yeah um yeah, and then he he this is where he runs into Bai Ling, who is yeah. like possibly the craziest character in any of these movies. Uh Bai she, Ling is like the live action iteration of like an anime girl. Like she's just <laughs> like all the time, like on. Like and um it's intriguing. 
<laughs> she's she's just really over the top. Um, pretty much all of her dialogue is subtitled, even though it's in English. Yeah, so she's, she's like really she talks funny. so fast and so muddled that it's like you can't even really understand what she's saying. Um, uh, she is just nuts. I don't, again, this is something that I don't even know how to describe her performance, but it's incredible. She's really funny. Uh, I think she, she's awesome. I mean, I like Biling in general. Um, and I think she's really funny in this one. And like, it, it, she's like a, she's like a parody of a parody. Like, <laughs> she's like, there's like late, like, I don't know. She's just like a really funny and like weird character to show up here. And I think yeah. her character in contrast to uh, Amy Smart, when they start interacting is also very funny. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Their like, interactions <laughs> are so funny. Um, Like, it's just like this really weird. I don't know. It's so weird. And yeah. Um, but I'm really glad she's in this movie, period. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it seem, it kind of seems like they just sort of, like, told her what to do and then just let her do her thing, whatever. Yeah, I feel like, like they gave her, like, hey, this is your character type. In this and- scene, like, you get rescued by Chev and then you, like, love him instantly and want him to be your boyfriend. And then like, that's your entire motivation for the rest of the movie. And then she just is like every scene. She's just like insane. She's like, yeah, I don't don't even know how to describe it, but she is just, she is amazing. She's really funny. Um, She like like in every scene, every scene she shows up in, she's like fucking hilarious. Um, Yeah. So she's basically like going like her role from now on is like to like chase after Chev. She gets like knocked out at various points. So she falls behind, but she's always trying to catch up and help him. I also spoiler. I like when she gets like knocked out by like getting hit by a speeding car, like flies into the air and falls down. We don't see her for like scenes at a time. And then later (laughs) she just sits up and she's just like, I'm going to find my boyfriend now. (laughs) (laughs) What? how are you okay after this um, i don't even understand so, funny. <laughs> um, so i'm saying she's like this like weird like parody of a parody of an anime girl and i know that she's like a chinese actress and they're like the chinese gang and anime is japanese but i feel like that's like what she's going for like she's like this parody of this like very type this specific type of girl and like yes i guess like yeah. this specific type of girl in american's perception of that type of girl right like yeah not definitely. like actually that human um so like it's like it's like you know if you see um scott pilgrim versus the world um she she very much feels like a scott pilgrim character yeah but like, like on like steroids like yeah. <laughs> like um that that film is actually probably like even though it's not nearly as violent as this it's one of the better approximations of this film from the same era like they both are obviously very tied into video game culture yeah they're very over the top with the like cartoonish type violence it's Uh, like what that film is like what this film is doing but like for a different audience like exactly uh, yeah yeah um and i also fucking love scott pilgrim versus the world also the books anyway that's a different that's a whole different episode but like um yeah scott pilgrim is great and i think this character definitely has a scott pilgrim parallel so i'm glad we get to mention scott pilgrim um yeah, interesting time i didn't think uh, we would go there but it makes sense makes perfect uh, sense. um is awesome she's like a highlight of this film highlight of crank high voltage easily uh, so yes continue 
Um, so somehow, um, anyway, they, they end up at this strip club. I don't even know how they get there, but that like Amy Smart's character is stripping there. <laughs> and how do they, um, it's because she, it's because Bai Ling knows where Johnny Vang will be. And right. knows people who know Johnny She's Vang. Like, oh yeah. He hangs out here. Yes. Um, but like, <laughs> so they show up here and he like, he's completely surprised to see Amy Smart stripping here. And, I'm completely surprised as well because it's like she suddenly like got this whole new life out of nowhere. She's like got an edge. <laughs> like she's like an edgy girl now. Yeah. Like that was not her at all in the first movie. Yeah. Um, she was definitely not a stripper. And also it's like it seems like she's just like gotten this completely new life around here. She talks to Chev and apparently like he's been gone for it's three know. months. Yeah, for three months, which I don't know how that even fits in here. Like, we see him get picked up by the Chinese gang right away. Maybe they waited three months for him to recover before they operated on him. I don't they know. They do cryogenically freeze him. Like, how did it work? Um, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, like, one of the funniest gags from this part when they meet, he says, I left you an answering machine message. And... And it cuts to the answering machine and all it is is like right because it was flying <laughs> through the fucking air yeah so clearly that whole like heartfelt message that he gave just completely did not get through to her which is really funny yeah. um, she's also like at one point she's like yeah i have a cell phone now which was like a running gag in the first movie where he was like, why don't you get a fucking cell phone? Yeah, because he can never get through to her. He keeps leaving yeah. her answering machine messages. Right. Because he she doesn't have a cell phone. Which in 2006, plausible. Maybe. <laughs> By 2009. I didn't have a cell phone. I, cell phone in I mean, I did, but it wasn't something I carried around. Like I had a cell phone when I like traveled, but I didn't have like a cell phone yeah. I took to school. Um, remember remember when you used to have a cell phone but you wouldn't have it on all the time like you'd only turn it on when you wanted to use it what weird times huh yeah i can't think about like the i would turn it world. off i would turn my cell phone off for class in high school like my senior year i'd be like gotta turn my phone off <laughs> um now i would just put it on silent um <laughs> like a normal fucking human um yeah you're right uh, anyway, moving on from that weird trip down memory lane that makes me want to jump out a window. The part, um, at, yeah, the part at the uh, the strip club is also when the human sushi scene happens. Uh, yes, and I okay, so the human sushi scene. I don't even know like the the context of it is like completely like who is attacking them. It's like so th okay, yeah, they're in a the bathroom. I think it's the Hispanic gang this time. That's like it's, it's got to be. It's the the uh, what's his name? The is it the ferret? The guy with all the no, the ferret's not here. It's the it's no, like but it's his, his people. It's his people. His henchmen with all the face tattoos and everything. And he also in in Spanish, it's El Huron, right? That's that's yeah. him. Yeah, um, because that's what they call him most of the time. At least that right. I can remember. Um, so El Huron is like the big El bad Huron. in this one. We find out here that he's like the one who's after chelios apparently trying to kill him but even but, though okay, it's the so chinese it's like, gang they took his heart again exactly. the whole gang thing is very complicated in this movie it's very complicated and so um but it's once again like the chinese gang and the hispanic gang are like rivals here and so um the 
it's it's El Heron's gang is like attacking Johnny Vang and his gang in this like restroom of this strip club. And I just really like when like El Heron's men are like, do you like sushi? And Johnny Vang does that crazy laugh that he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and he's like, he's like, sushi is Japanese, you dumb fuck. <laughs> like, I'm Chinese. We don't eat that shit. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, love that. Second of all, okay. And then he's like, I, I, I love that this movie is like pretending to be like, no, like we understand the difference between different types of Asian people. It's like this movie has become very racist at many points. So yes. let's not um, get on our high horses here. Yes. But th- this movie, like, this movie, Crank High Voltage went. It like doubled down on the racial elements of the first movie. Like it's like more of an element in Crank High Voltage than it was in the first movie. Yes. yes. It's like crazy. Um, it's very funny that they did that because in any other movie in nowadays, they would like it would be alleviated for the up, sequel. Up but to no. up to and including the fact that there is yellow face in this movie. Yeah. So yes. just, spoiler um, alert, that's gonna come up. Um so, anyway, um, his fr- his like one of one of um Johnny Vang's henchmen, it gets turned into quote unquote human sushi, and like when he gets like thrown over the table, and the and um El Huron's guy pulls out like a knife to like you know cut him up. Johnny Vang goes, "Oh, this is new and exciting," which is like one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the movie. I'm like, "What? <laughs> this is new and exciting? Your henchman's about to get butchered." Um, Johnny Vang is the most absurd character. Yeah. So much fun. (laughs) Um, Also, this was like a brutal violence. I mean, it's like a very small violence, but Johnny Vang's henchman gets the tip of his elbow cut off. And it is like sliced cleanly off. Just sliced off. And it like, I like was cringing for like five minutes. I was like, yeah. oh God, oh God, oh God, no. Like it's such a uniquely fucked up idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I've I mean, never seen a movie do that before. So like that's mess. This is like when a hostel clipped the Achilles tendon. Yeah. Like just like I'm just is like, this, no, we don't we don't do that to people. We don't it's do the that. same sort of sensation like, where it's like this is a like I've seen a lot of violence up till now, but this is a very like acutely aware bit of violence here that i'm like i i can sense this happening because we are very aware of like hitting our elbows our funny bones on things and like Hmm. how sensate like how sensitive it is there right like and so like you hit your like funny bone on something and it's like you feel it and it's like a full body feeling imagine getting that chopped off like that's not a fun sensation yeah i think (laughs) even beyond that just like the concept of like that's a really how do you even recover from an injury like that? Like, well, you that, don't. Are you going to lose that arm? Probably. Like, I, like, how are you? You're not possibly going to be normal after that, even though it's a relatively small bit of you cut off. It's like right. a very crucial part. Uh, so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this whole. This whole strip club scene is very insane. There's that going on. There's also like a whole shootout with uh with Chev and you know Byling is still there and uh Eve is there as well and 
like Eve is jealous because uh, obviously Biling is like acting like Chev is her boyfriend, even though he's like, I don't know this girl, whatever. And then he's like, oh, really? So like you've you've already moved on. I can see whatever. He's like, no, it's not like that. But like he can't explain it in time because there's this whole shootout going on. It's this very crazy scene. Um, One of the strippers gets shot in her fake boobs. Oh, God, I forgot about that. And they leak all over the place. And we're shown it like multiple times during this scene. Oh, like, God, just, it's like, very upsetting. Leaking all over the place. Just like, what is going on? Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> it's very alarming. <laughs> but it it is like, it's all out there. That's very crank high voltage. Um, oh, yeah. This one like ups the ante on everything. So, yeah. It's amazing how quick, like, I feel like, I feel like one thing I noticed from Crank to Crank High Voltage was it like, in Crank, while it was always crazy, even from the beginning, like, the biggest violence came, like, at the end. Like, a, it, like it definitely built up the violence, and the worst was at the end. In this one, I really feel like it started with, like, it was already there. It was already worse in the first movie. Like... And it was it was gonna just go all in from the start. Um, yeah. So it's like, like they, they just really set the tone for like being a different movie while still being the same movie. <laughs> they kept it at eleven pretty much the entire time, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, this is whole scene in the back of the cop car. This is not particularly interesting. Uh, Chev runs off the stripper and everything. Weird lesbian sex scene <laughs> happening. Uh, like um, a like a forced lesbian sex scene. Like this stripper is trying to like hook up with uh, Eve, and she's like not having it at all. And um, they end up they end up at the racetrack. <laughs> oh my and, god! They go straight there. That's it. Yeah. Well, they there's wait no 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 okay. We haven't even talked about so there's like the um oh the porn actor strike yes oh. yes um, <laughs> okay yeah we have to cut the the porn actor strike is ridiculous as they're driving around they run into a porn actor strike which like has no effect on the plot whatsoever <laughs> but it's just like an absurd thing that they run into and um I mean. As far as I'm aware, there might be a lot of celebrities in this scene, but the definitely big one is Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy <laughs> is in here <laughs> protesting, um. and they have all sorts of absurd lines that they say to protest. There's, and they're like, not getting paid very enough. importantly, the bloopers during the end credits have a lot of like outtakes from this scene which are very very funny yes. if you ever just want to look up some funny outtakes just look the up outtakes. Outtake from this um <laughs> the outtakes from this movie were really good yeah um <laughs> yeah one of them says do you want me to fuck this car <laughs> <laughs> which is just a so fantastic good. line um another great line that was it happened around this time was when they called Doc Miles and at one point he's like he's trying to convince his girlfriend to do something and he's like is Doc Miles gonna have to choke a bitch oh yeah <laughs> it's like he's oh like, that bring, brings me back to Chappelle's show right there yes he says that and she's like are you serious um <laughs> um 
Yeah, the porn actor strike is very funny and very bizarre. I like there's like virtually no reason it had to be in the movie. Um like it could have been taken out and zero of the plot would have changed. Um Yeah, and yet no, they left it in. It's there to provide color. This like when I got to this scene, I was like, this feels very like postal two i don't know if you're familiar with that game like obviously the whole thing is very video gamey but it all this part feels very much like postal two where you just come across these weird random set pieces that are like organized for to either provide offensive content or like an opportunity for violence right and <laughs> one of them in postal two is like you run up across people protesting violent video games <laughs> like at the video game like they're at the headquarters of the video game studio that made postal 2 <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you, and you have to join the developers of postal 2 in shooting the protesters jesus christ yeah <laughs> that's a crazy game and <laughs> it really it really reminds me that this movie really reminds me of that game uh Cause it's just got like that random insane, like going around and over the top violence element. Um, there's this point where they run into a park and they run into these guys who are training a dog with a dog collar. Oh my God. I forgot about the fucking dog. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. He like it's So it's Jason Statham. He's like alone at this point at one point. Um, and he runs in, and these guys are training a dog. It's a shot collar. And Jason Statham walks up, and he's like, you guys are sick. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I'm PETA. You should be You should be ashamed. Um, which, you know, <laughs> is already hilarious because he's calling himself PETA. He's um, like, I'm from PETA. It's like, does this guy look like he's from PETA? I don't know. Um, and he puts the <laughs> collar around his neck. He's like, shock it! Shock it! Like, <laughs> you, you better press that fucking button. You better press it. Keep pressing it. Why are you not pressing it? Press it. He's like, he's like, like weird. Like, yeah, it's like weird. Like, he's like telling them to shock him, and they're like, what? And then he's like, shock it while he's wearing a collar. It's like this weird, like, sub dom imagery. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Um, like, like, I was just sitting there. Like, I, I remember like watching it. I was quote unquote working, and I was like drinking a beer, and I was like, what the. fuck is like happening on my tv screen um and they were like oh my god um and then that's when the cops show up right the cops show up here because yes because the dog eats that guy's crotch he eats that cop's crotch (laughs) Um, he's like chowing down on it they show like four different shots of the dog like chewing on this guy's crotch and you're seeing like blood spurting out of it yes, and stuff and, and, and it's like got, good lord what is and the, the dog's owners are like uh does the lawsuit cover like they're like uh is this covered and i'm like is wh- what about this what are you talking about this like, is not gonna be this is not gonna go well for you i, I promise yeah. you that um he's running off and this is one of the the peak on-scene text moments for this movie he's running off and there's an inner title that just says nine seconds later oh <laughs> yeah shows him running in an alley and the cops are still chasing him it's like why did we even cut to nine seconds later? we didn't need to <laughs> that was cut- just for fun that was just to be done. they're just being weird and you know yep. what it works here um 
and he gets picked up. This is where he runs into Venus, yes. uh, who is the brother of Kalo, and uh, also played by Efren Ramirez, obviously. And also worked at the weird gay strip club or whatever. Yeah, he's also gay. He's a little more toned down gay. <laughs> He then, might not be gay. He might he might have a thing with Bailing. There might be a there might be a Bailing romance. Oh, okay. At the maybe end. he's bi. Yeah, Bailing. He's definitely not straight. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> but because I mean, first of all, the way he's dressed, even though we don't see it, like because he's wearing that jacket a lot of the time, he's still wearing the like crop top tank top thing that he's yeah. doing. We um, also see scenes of him with um Kalo at the gay club performing yeah. and like he knows all the gay gang and everything so he's clearly coded as gay in this movie yeah. or at least true. bisexual or whatever um he picks him up on this motorcycle and at first like he thinks it's Kalo and he's like no I'm his brother Venus uh and he's acting weird so you think it's like this weird glitchy thing um I thought when, okay, so when he first showed up and note that I had never seen this movie before, <laughs> I was like, this is actually Kalo and Kalo is like been revived, but he's like, like a Frankenstein's monster. Right. Yeah. He's like twitchy and weird. And like, that's what we're, that's why he's like acting like this. But it turns out he's like, I have full body Tourette's. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I have FBT. And then it's on the screen, full body Tourette's. And he just like starts shaking uncontrollably. He's like, I can't control my actions <laughs> while he's driving a motorcycle and he's just like, starts twitching. <laughs> swerve all over the place. Uh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I also like this is probably not a thing that actually exists, but it's also if, not a thing you could like say in 2020 and like if, not if, be yeah yeah it's um, not portrayed very very authentically or yeah. uh uh empathetically. People definitely say. have physical and verbal Tourette's. Like right. you can like so like I don't know if it's called for full body, but people definitely have a version of Tourette's that like makes you physically react and verbally react. Yes. yes. Like I believe that like it doesn't the concept just, of what he's talking about is real. It doesn't just like, make you shake all over for no reason whatsoever. No, with it no was trigger like, whatsoever. It's like like full tremors. Like he's just like blah, blah, blah. like I'm like what? That's basically his character is just like the same pretty similar to uh Kalo, except he'll just like suddenly start shaking uncontrollably and until like, the end when he's needed to not shake to um, all all sorts of comic results yes <laughs> um so somehow despite the shaking and everything he gets him to the racetrack which is where the stripper told him that Johnny Vang would be hanging out. Apparently everyone just knows all of Johnny Vang's haunts. Also, I had a lot of questions about this is like Johnny Vang like goes to the horse races. Um second of all, like they have horse races in LA. <laughs> like I know that that's like not that shouldn't be shocking, but like really I feel like that's like a south eastern like <laughs> No, I mean, I think they have racetracks out there. It's probably not as big as. Oh, like, I'm not saying they don't. I'm Herschel just saying Down. that it's like it like shocks me. Like 
I didn't know that they did. Like, I never, like, put it together that, like, they have horse races there. I'm not denying that they do at all. It's certainly not the most prominent part of L.A., but here we are at the Hollywood racetrack in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and oh, oh, <laughs> while he's here, he's, like, he's really having trouble with the artificial heart at this point. He, like, calls the doc, and the doc tells him that, like, maybe friction could help him because like the static electricity will build up and charge his battery <laughs> i laughed out loud when this, that i was like i know exactly what's coming here such um, an obvious contrivance like it makes no sense but it's like all right i guess we're doing this yes uh so he starts trying to rub up on all sorts of strangers, including first, Chester Bennington. <laughs> the first person he rubs up on is Chester Bennington again in this movie. <laughs> I love that he made it back for the sequel. He's fantastic. He's just like weirded out by it right the whole time. Right before his Saw 3, this had to be around the same time as Saw 3D. Yeah. Because Saw 3D came out in what, 2010 or fall 20, 2009? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's like he's like he's really amping up his cameos around this time. Uh and yes, it's a very funny moment. He's just like standing next to him and he'll be like sort of rubbing up against him. He's like, Oh, do you see that horse over there? Oh, that's a great horse. Uh uh he's like rubbing up. He's like, What the fuck are you doing? And like he eventually just like pushed him off and runs away. And then Chev starts rubbing up on this old woman. <laughs> <laughs> and she is like really not having it she calls like security and the security gonna like about to arrest him but then amy smart shows up and she's like oh it's okay he's just drunk it's like i don't think that makes it okay but apparently the security really is ready to leave him alone and then he starts like he's telling her like oh i need friction i need friction she's like oh you want friction so they start rubbing and then they start like having sex in the stands of this horse race and then they they end up like get he she like pushes him over the rail of the the stands like they they end up on the track anyway so what happens <laughs> is okay the flow of events is that they're having sex like down just like on the walkway like down the stands like if you're like walking down bleachers you know there's the aisle um and everything looks normal and nobody's even paying attention at this point which is crazy i'm like it's very clear that she's riding his dick like we should be <laughs> concerned about this um and but then a lot of she, ass like, shots here as well yes he she opens his shirt and sees the scar and goes oh it's gross yeah and yeah away, and like step steps off of him and that's when they get like caught up in like this like scuffle that leads them down onto the dirt track. Yeah. And that's and, and, and she's like, oh, oh, Chev. And then she decides to have sex with him again. <laughs> yeah. And they're having sex on the horse track. And this scene is just so over the top and insane. It like once again, everyone is cheering them on. <laughs> and yep. this time it's like a whole horse tracks full of people cheering them on um somebody tosses him a cowboy hat yes <laughs> and he's like whipping it around like he's a fucking bronco rider uh the Hold villain 
we see Johnny Vang is in the stands at this point, and he was like about to run off because he saw Chelios, and then he sees that they're having sex, and he's like getting into it. He's like watching. He's like, ah, yeah. He's like clapping along with everybody yep. else. It's like, what the fuck is going on? And then the craziest part comes when, of course, the horse race starts. Yep. and they're still having sex on the track the horses are running all around them one of them jumps over <laughs> i still i still can't believe that this exists the, this in this mo- moment that exists in film this exists <laughs> in, in any a theatric- movie. it exists in a theatrically released film yes this is the i i will put money on the fact that this is the only film that this has ever happened in <laughs> the horse jumps over them amy smart looks up and you just see the giant horse cock flying across the screen (laughs) and it cuts back to her and she's like oh yeah yeah she's like very turned on by it it's very alarming it's (laughs) it they oh my god yeah that yeah, that that scene is really wild. Uh, there's no getting around that. It's it, very crazy. Right. How does uh, it? How does it end? Because they don't finish having sex. Because that's like a running gag by this. No, point. they don't. Uh, Chev like sees that Johnny Vang runs off, so he runs after him, oh, and sure, she yeah. she's once again left to sort of slink off, semi dressed. Uh, right. not fully satisfied and very pissed off at Chev. Right. Um, then there's like this whole crazy parkour type chase scene in the uh, parking garage as Johnny Vang's driving away and Chev's running after him. This feels also very mid 2000s with the parkour yeah. stuff. Yeah. Parkour. 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 I also have written down and maybe you'll have to jog my memory. Is it Somebody says to Chev of Venus, your friend has the gay condition. Yes, yes. I also <laughs> wrote that down. Um, I think that's uh, that's El Huron talking to Chev. He calls him up and he's like, your friend has the gay condition. Like, But I thought this was con- when they were in the car. I didn't know El Huron had already contacted Chev by this point, but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe not. No, actually, no, I think you're right because I thought it was like Don Kim or something. This like is before in the, in the next scene, El Huron is really shown for the first time. So yeah. Oh yes. It's the scene. It's the scene in, uh, in the limousine. So yeah. Chev, Chev and, uh, Venus end up in the limousine with, uh, uh with don kim yeah the the leader of the chinese gang and they like he's like your friend has the gay condition it's like really like first of all (laughs) you have no way of knowing that but also like it's totally like the least relevant thing right now (laughs) yeah a bunch of people are dead and you're like trying to kill this guy but whatever let's we have to comment on this right now yeah, he ends up in the limousine. He finds out that Don Kim, even though like in the last movie he protected him, in this one he's uh he's the on the side of the people trying to kill Chev. And apparently it's because uh they needed his heart 
to keep their like really ancient leader alive uh like cuz he needed a heart transplant you want to you want to be the one to do the honors of saying their uh, I'm name? A, I'll I'll say the name of the leader his name is Poon Dong Poon Dong <laughs> Yep yeah it's his name is Poon Dong I, it's not an authentic chinese name i'm pretty sure it's uh it's yeah that that is what it is. Well, luckily <laughs> he's not played by an authentic No, it's not. <laughs> Poondong is played by David Carradine, uh RIP. Oh god. Very very legendary actor who has uh acted in uh most notably the series Kung Fu. Also he played Bill in Kill Bill. Um he's known for doing a lot of like kung fu movies and stuff like that but he is very much white yes uh, so yes yes that is not good um that's obviously the joke but it's still like like you know like clearly they were going for like that was the point but yeah yeah it, it's meant to be funny because yeah. it's like it's david carradine and he's playing a Chinese guy. And he's playing a Chinese guy who has a name like Poondong. Like he's yeah. like, like everything about it is like fake Chinese guy. Like, um, but it's still like, oh, uh, okay. Well, it's supposed to be cool. silly. It, re- it, yeah. it reads a little off now yeah. in 2020, but it's, you know, again, it's like, it's surprising to see this stuff nowadays because I feel like there wasn't like, nobody was putting up a controversy about this when it came out in 2009. Right. But nowadays it's like, oh, you could not do that in 2020. No, you just no. straight up could not. Like there would be absolute outrage and probably like for a good reason. Right. But, <laughs> you know, it's just like that times change that this is how things were in 2009. Um, but for now, we have Poondong. <laughs> we um, do have Poondong. So uh, Chev, like, so first of all, after like the whole gay condition thing, like, uh, Venus starts like seizing up and Don Kim just kind of gets tired of him and throws him out of the limo. Yes. And then uh, like Don Kim is going to kill Chelios on the spot, but he manages to kill everybody inside the limo. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, very crazy kills in that scene. Oh, and, and this is, this is when Venus calls up the rest of the gay gang uh, oh yes yeah and this is this is a funny scene because like he calls in to i guess what's like a gay leather club and like the guys like on the club they work at it's the it's the club that typically venus and previously kayla worked at yeah yeah it, it, it's probably the club that we've gotten brief glimpses of from the flashbacks earlier and uh but it's funny because he's like he's on the phone with this guy and he's like, I'm sorry about your brother, man. Like, that's really hard. Like, and, and Venus is like, yeah, could you help me out? Like, I, I think I know this one guy who was involved in my brother getting killed. And like, I, I, I want to track him down. Like we have to go after him. He's like, yeah, you know, anything you want. And, but like meantime, in the background, there's like all this S and M going on. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys just like getting like beaten on the floor. <laughs> I still like the idea that like he like 
Venus would be calling somebody and, and like they would say like, oh, I'm sorry about your brother. And it's like, it's been three months. Like I would not answer a phone call that way. But, you know, like like I would not assume that it's about that after three months. But OK. Yeah, I, I think it was like the first time they heard of him. They yeah. heard from him after that. Uh, he was probably gone for a while. Um, so this is where like this is where we get the ambulance scene that we talked about earlier sort of like referenced it like an ambulance shows up to cart off one of the henchmen that had been in this limo and chev like jumps aboard (laughs) and this is very similar to the hospital scene previously where he's like he's like tormenting these poor emts who are trying to keep this guy alive and he's like, just give me, he, I need a battery for this specific artificial heart. And they happen <laughs> to have it. Um, and he, like, he jumps out of the ambulance, chase after Johnny Vang. It's like a weird, yeah, he like, so he like harasses these ambulance, you know, workers. Um, the one of them seems to cooperate with him pretty well, so he gets what he needs, and then he jumps out to go chase after Johnny Wang after seeing him like from afar, <laughs> like okay, and like starts he like is this when he like starts like a like a shootout on the street corner? Um, I think so. It's like outside of a club, and like it's like he's on the street corner. This is after. Is this also after we've seen? Eve, aka um, Amy Smart, with Corey Haim. Like, <laughs> yes, Corey Haim is in this movie um, playing like her boss at the strip club. He's wearing a shirt that says "Nice Jugs." Um, <laughs> it's got two jugs of milk on it. Yeah, um, so it's Corey Haim, and he's he's like her boss, and like he's like clearly into her, and she's like clearly. Actually, it's kind of clear that she's maybe been dating him, but is like okay now that chev's back i'm like super not into it um so she's just like ah, no thanks and he just like will not take no and she's like fight she like literally like decks him um yeah she like she's so much more badass in this movie than in the previous one she's like not taking any shit no she knows exactly (laughs) what she wants like she's fine with like the whole public sex thing this time because she's just like this is what we do now it's fine but yeah. like she's not taking any shit from Corey Haim she's just like fuck off and like smashes him into the back of this car and like he's like <laughs> he's like lying there for a long time he like can't get up she's like completely wrecked him um there's also there's a couple other scenes around here that are just like really quick we get to see the uh we finally get to see El Huron and the, like the face tattoo guy comes up to him and he's like, he's failed because he was supposed to capture Chelios and he hasn't done it. And as punishment, he's made to slice off his nipples. Yeah. His own nipples. He has to cut them off. (laughs) He has to do it himself. And it's a really gruesome scene. Like you see a lot of it. Yeah. It's really not, it's not good. This is this is one of the more like hostile slash saw moments in this movie. Yeah, I don't enjoy him cutting off his own nipples. It's not fun for me. And he um, he walk he like picks up the nipples and walks off. It's like, what are you gonna do with those? Like, I don't think you can just sew them back on. Maybe he's gonna like dry them and like wear them or something. <laughs> um, he's gonna just tape them on there. Yeah. Um. 
you never know. You never know what people are going to do with their nipples, you know? Um, I like to keep mine where they are. That's that's my that's thing. That's also my thing. I also <laughs> like to keep mine in place. But you never know. If I happen to have to remove them, who knows what I'll do. Um, yeah. Hopefully not in that way. But... Yeah. <laughs> But okay, so like Corey Haim and Amy Smart have fought, and there's been this guy ripping off, or cutting off his own nipples because El Huron says so. Uh, because El Huron is mad because they didn't win. I don't know. They didn't get, uh, what's his name? Chev, right? Like the hmm. last time they tried. And so Chev is now in this shootout or whatever outside of this club. I can't even remember how this like shootout really ends in terms of like Chev's involvement. Doesn't he just run off after Johnny Vang? Isn't this where the whole, whole power line sequence happens? I know the power line sequence has happens, but yeah, okay, that must be it. He just like right. disappears because like so, I like me, couldn't remember like why che- like why it just like abruptly ends, other than the sequence with the power line. There's uh, so there's a couple moments here. Uh, one is that like I think it's during the shootout a random shot gets fired off and you see it ricochet off a bunch of things. And then you see it cuts to like a therapist's office and you see Glenn Howerton's character from the prior movie, like having a therapy session. Yes. He's having a therapy session. And like, he's like talking about like being held at gunpoint in a hospital and how he's not over it. It's so much like you get to see like this is the one moment you get to see like the real fallout from the previous movie. He's like horribly traumatized by this. He's like, I feel like like a really funny fallout because he's traumatized and I feel like I can't even leave my my room or whatever. Like I can't even go out. I'm so terrified something's going to happen. He says I can't leave my apartment. And it's like, well, you're not in your apartment now, so you can. Uh, But then he's like. I, you know, like, I'm so upset, and his his therapist is like, oh, well, you just have to, like, live your life and realize that that was one time, you know? You have to just get out there and start going out for a beer again and start drinking again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, she gets, like, really sexual with it. She's, like, trying to seduce him or something. She's like, you need to get your face into some stinky muff or something like that. Yes. And he's like, what is going on? And he's like, yeah, you're right. I need to floss my teeth with some pubes. Yes, that's an exact <laughs> quote. He says that exact thing. Um, uh, and so he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And he stands up and gets shot in the head. Yeah. Um, you see the, ricocheting the bullet. ricochet bullet hits him right in the head. And the therapist is just kind of like, oh. Well, she immediately vomits. She just yes. like throws up. <laughs> It's like on the camera too. It's like yeah, it's um, it's very POV shot. Yeah, uh, but it's very funny. It's extremely funny. The whole sequence. That whole scene was great. Um, there's also a scene around here where he, uh, where Chev calls the doctor because he's like he's chasing after uh johnny vang he's like he calls him up he's like i'm close and the doc says so am i because he's getting <laughs> like he's getting a blowjob from his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> oh god but i love that yeah. um, so um chelios catches up with johnny vang near this like power substation 
Yeah, it's, it's at the substation. It's very important that it's at the substation. Yeah, and this is at, this is not only the most insane scene in this movie, not only the whole most insane scene in the Crank franchise, but perhaps the most insane scene I've seen in any action movie <laughs> ever. It's pretty fucking nuts. It's, it's uh, certainly <laughs> up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So he's at this power substation. He's having a fight with Johnny Vang. And he somehow ends up like grabbing the high powered electrical cables. Yes. Like the really high powered. <laughs> and you just sort of see this, like the vision of him, like sort of spins around and like swirls and swirls and swirls. And then all of a sudden, we're in like the kaiju land (laughs) where like it's like if you've ever seen an old godzilla movie where it's like the guys fighting in rubber costumes that's it except it's it's a costume of chelios's character and johnny vang's character which i assume is just them wearing huge ridiculous masks of themselves i don't know i feel like it's just like them in costumes of them like which is very funny and they're fighting in like a miniaturized set of the power substation right and this scene is just so absolutely out of nowhere and (laughs) so absurd i was like i i still like even though like when I saw this, this was like the third time I've seen this movie. And I was still just like, I cannot believe this scene exists. It's so ridiculous. They're like throwing each other through the power lines and they're like knocking down and like buzzing all over the place. It's clearly like a really cheaply made set. They're like really doing the tribute to tojo studios here yeah i mean they're like breaking like giant like telewires i like when you look when they show like the scene and you see like the actual humans below them just like (laughs) they're like claymation dolls just like (laughs) (laughs) it cuts cuts to like this uh this shot of these like two claymation power workers looking up and being like ah and screaming (laughs) and then it cuts back to them fighting more and then eventually it cuts back to them and like it shows the actual workers and they're like oh my god like do you think we should call somebody and then it cuts to showing like what's actually happening and it's just the two of them just like punching each other again and again yeah (laughs) (laughs) like clearly this is just all taking place inside of chelios's head yeah but it's just oh my god it's It's so crazy this is this is the pinnacle of crank right here. And like, I feel like the whole franchise, like all of that is worth just this one scene. right? Here. Yeah. It's pretty much. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. my God. It's ludicrous. Oh, but it's so good. Just like underscores like the artificiality and like the homages this movie is trying to make and like really makes it like clear that this movie is like, trying to like constantly reference other action genres that came for it you know like every aspect of both crank movies i would say is like some homage like you get black exploitation you get like like chinese martial arts movie exploitation like you get you get like spy movie exploitation you get like all of it like yeah 
Um, so, and it's like, it's like this, this like scene, like really like brings it to a head by being like the most like obvious version of like <laughs> this, like exploitative homage, like out of, <laughs> and it's like out of nowhere. It's just like completely ridiculous. Like there's, I mean, it's not, I guess I wouldn't say it's out of nowhere. This is a movie in which he like his heart is being run by like electricity and somehow that's keeping him alive as though that's ever like a thing that would work. Like, you know, like maybe it's not like the most, like <laughs> it's not ridiculous. That they'd yeah. be like, why not have a Kaiju thing in here? He <laughs> basically <laughs> is a small scale Kaiju. At this this movie is already absurd. He's a they robot. Just like take it to its most absurd level right here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's just fantastic. If you if you watch nothing else of this franchise, I highly encourage you to look up the crank high voltage kaiju scene because yeah. it is it is really something to be seen. I cannot believe that this was put into a movie. It's but it it's was really amazing. <laughs> uh, Neville and Taylor, release. Um, they got some minds on them. Uh, this is not so well the real upshot of this fight though he finally beats down johnny vang he opens up the cooler um and i don't know what's in there but it's not his heart not his heart (laughs) i also don't know what's in there we don't find out what it is but he's like you sick fuck what is this is this what i think it is like it's one of those where it's like oh it's it's whatever your most fucked up idea of what might be in there it is that's what it is. He's like, right. what kind of person carries around something like this? Oh, like, <laughs> even Chev, who's like been doing the most depraved stuff in this movie is like genuinely disturbed by whatever's in this cooler. And so like, this is very much like a, your heart is in a different castle moment here. He, uh, <laughs> Johnny Vang reveals that like the transplant already took place. Uh, Poon Dong is already walking around with Chev's heart inside him. So Chev is going to have to go find out where he is in order to get it. And this is where you get introduced to Poon Dong. And he's like, he's just like, he's having the time of his life. It's clear that this heart is really helping him. He looks like he's about 95 years old, but he's like got a pep in his step. He's moving around town. Um, so when he's listening to honky tonk, badonkadonk, <laughs> this is when that happens. Just to be a, clear, a fantastic inclusion in this film. The soundtrack in this movie is really good. And the one in the last one was pretty good too. This one it has a great inclusion of lots of fun, popular songs, yes. uh, including the love thing. <laughs> uh, the love theme to this movie is the REO Speedwagon song. The REO Speedwagon. I'm gonna keep on loving you. We first see it in the strip club scene, and we also get it later, which is very it's like important. Times. There's like a handful of times where we see that that song. Yeah. Um. So, Chev calls up the doc, and the doc's like, "I'll I'll take care of it." He sends out his girlfriend to like pretend to be a prostitute. To... The girlfriend is chocolate. That's her yeah, name. chocolate. She's a, a black like maybe prostitute i'm not really sure she, she might already be a prostitute i don't know she yeah. she seems very willing to go out and like prostitute herself for this like old guy and like so she she gets she lures poon dong back to the doctor's place and uh 
the doctor like catches him and immobilizes him and like i guess supposedly takes his heart so um and that all plays out over the rest of the movie but like that's the basic so he gets the heart so as long as chelios can get back there he's gonna have a heart ready um venus calls in the gang the, the like the gay gang is showing up at the uh at the uh, headquarters of the latino gang right we like somehow chev is there we haven't covered the 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 weird flashback for chev where he's on the talk the maury style talk show with the uh ginger spice oh yeah and, um, i think that happens like somewhere around the kaiju scene where it's just like a crazy i guess it's a flashback for I him think it after the kaiju scene it's like the kaiju scene he passes out and like we get that like sequence where it's a bunch of like fuck you chelios fuck you chelios fuck you chelios yeah, so um, many people telling him like fuck you chelios and then he <laughs> wakes up and he's on like mari and like it's it's like young version it's of like him. british maury from like i guess the 70s or something right whenever he was a kid yeah it's like him as a kid and his mom and they're being like oh like why <laughs> the whole plot of the show apparently is like why are you such a little shit chev chelios and like um, <laughs> apparently he's very poorly behaved he has a very short attention span he's always like running around causing mischief because he doesn't know what to do um it seems like a commentary on the video game generation here. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> They're calling us out. Then you know what? We deserve it. But this is this is again this is sort of like a parallel to the elevator scene in the last movie, where it's like the one moment we get to like sort of see inside Chelios's mind, see like where he's coming from, what makes him the way he is. Right. Uh but I mean, we don't get a lot, but it's no. it's an interesting look, and they present it in a very interesting way with like the whole talk show thing, right? Uh, so the big showdown in this one also takes place near a pool. Uh, Chelio shows up. The uh, the gay gang led by Venus shows up, and uh, they're going after. Uh. The, like, the ferret. Chelios is there. Venus is there with the gay gang. And then Bai Ling shows up with like a gang of like ladies. Yes. It's like Ooh. all of the strippers from the club, right? Um, one, one thing I wanted to mention before we move on is like part of the flashback is that they show him like at prep school beating up other boys. And I'm like, this is basically like the video game bully. If you're oh familiar my with God, that, video game bully. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can't believe we're bringing that up in 2020. Um, oh, and yeah. before before he gets taken to the party, they like drag him behind a boat for some reason. Oh my God, yes, I forgot. They drag him behind a boat and he's like being held onto the boat and what's his name? Pees on him. It's the tattoo guy. He just like... Yeah. Yeah, he's like him. peeing off the boat onto Chelios. <laughs> It's if he's not wet enough already. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think Chelios would even feel the urine. I don't think that would even like, no. I just remember thinking like, he's way too far behind for that to be like a thing that he even can notice. But okay. Um, like it's hitting him, but he can't distinguish it from other water. So 
that's confusing um yeah but that i forgot about that scene too <laughs> so like there's this whole showdown at uh at this uh at the headquarters of el curon and uh so part of what el curon apparently wants to do he's the third he's apparent he's revealed to be the third brother uh of the guy from the first movie um right. who's like the main enemy so he and the the guy and his brother both got killed by chelios in the first movie and el Hiron is the third brother and he's like i wanted to get like avenge my brothers and then he reveals that he has his one brother's head alive in a tank god and like, he's like <laughs> he's like i want him to see before he dies for real i want him to see me kill chev chelios <laughs> and the brother's head in the tank like they didn't even bother trying to make this look realistic no like they probably <laughs> could have like done some clever framing shots where they got like his real head saying stuff but no, the, they clearly made it like a really fake robotic head the yep. entire time. Yep. And the head is like in this huge fish tank with all these tubes attaching attached to it. And it keeps like, it keeps it talks there while it's under the water. And it says like, fuck you, Charlie-o. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like trying to talk, but it's just like mumbling into the water. And we have to read the like captions because otherwise it makes no sense. Yeah, um, it's it's very it's got this really weird voice. It's so it. funny, so funny. Yeah, and so like, and there's another finger gun moment here too. Where... Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that they did that again. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how that works, but the, another callback to the previous one. Anyway, like everyone shows up, like we said, and they all start fighting, shooting out. Uh, <laughs> Chelios ends up throwing that head into the pool. Yes, he <laughs> like, takes he taking it around and stuff. No, he literally kicks it. He, <laughs> he like, punts it into the pool. It's like, um, and like while like all this fighting has happened, like Chelios, his heart is like becoming weaker and weaker, and he like climbs up to the top of like an electrical pole and like grabs onto the transformer and like oh supercharges God. himself. Yeah. Yeah. And to the extent that he gets set on fire and then he's, he's like walking around on fire. Um, basically he's like ghost rider. <laughs> he's just <laughs> like walking around on fire, like beating the shit out of people. He beats El Hiron to death. Um, yes. <laughs> when he, he runs into Bai Ling, and like you could see from his perspective, he thinks that she's Amy Smart, and he like goes to kiss her, and she like even though like she like wanted him the whole movie, she's like like what's going on here? Like she's obviously also freaked out by the fact that he's actively on fire while he's doing this. Shocking. <laughs> But most of this part you see from like his fantasy perspective <laughs> and it's playing the REO Speedwagon song and it's like really romantic. And then you see like the reality, which is like both of them are on fire and he's like kissing her and she's like trying to pull away. <laughs> and I, I guess 
like she ends up falling in the pool, right? Uh, <laughs> I just know she like runs around and us should fall in the pool. I don't know if she's she she's like running around on fire. I think she ends up in the pool. Chev, like literally, on like does not give a shit about the fact that he's on fire apparently, but no. he literally walks towards the camera, like looking straight into it. It gives it a middle finger. Yep. <laughs> As yep. he's like burning up, it's like, ah! <laughs> and, and that's like the end of the movie. Yes. That literally is the end of the movie. He like breaks the fourth wall just to yeah. fall off. It's <laughs> like the ultimate fuck you, Chelios moment. Yeah. Um, a few more things at the end here. We see the doctor sanitizing his instruments in bourbon. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that was a great moment. That was a very and, good moment. And then, like, while the credits are rolling, uh, we see him, like, operating on Chev, trying to get him back to life. Like, he's got the real heart now. He puts the real heart back. Chev is, like, completely wrapped in bandages. And you right. see Amy Spart. She's like, you got to save him. You got to save him. And <laughs> she's, like, really freaked out. Um, and it... It looks like he loses him. Like they, yeah. <laughs> there's like oh, there's that like the he flatlines. There's like oh, there's nothing we can do. They walk away. They're distraught, and then like you get the the heartbeat and the eyes open at the last second, right? So presumably he's somehow still alive after all this. I mean, I don't think he can die, even if he wants to. He's invincible, basically, yeah. and like. Then you just get a bunch of there's a lot of bloopers in the credits too, yeah, which is a very like quaint thing to do. I feel like you don't get that anymore. The bloopers in the credits, uh, no, because most of them are so like content on like are so set on being so serious, so yeah, some of them are pretty funny. There's a lot of good ones during that racetrack portion. Oh God! <laughs> All the friction scenes, like apparently uh, Jason Statham just could not keep it together. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well. So, uh, yeah, that is Crank High Voltage. Woo! Yeah, there was some talk of following this up with a third installment, which of course would have been Crank 3D. Which absolutely, I, that's the only I, option. I really wish we'd gotten, but it has not as of yet happened. There have been many statements put out by members of this film over the year. Um, it still sounds like everyone's pretty much on board, but I don't know. It seems pretty unlikely at this point. But I would definitely welcome a third installment in this series. Absolutely. It'd be pretty crazy. I feel like it's like the right choice to make. But yeah, it is just the kind of insanity that we need right now. God, yes, yes. <laughs> it should happen. Um, one note before closing out on crank is uh apparently when they were first trying to cast the first movie nicholas cage was under consideration for the role of chev uh which is possibly the only other person i could see playing chev chelios other than jason statham uh but it still would have been a very different movie like um part of what i think makes chev work so well is the physicality of Jason Statham. He did like all these stunts himself. He's like fully bought into the craziness and the physicality of this film. And it shows 
I don't think Nicolas Cage would have been able to do all that to the same extent, but he certainly uh, would have brought a completely different version of crazy to the movie. Yeah, I think uh, Nicolas Cage would have, I think that just like sheer acting wise would have been awesome in this, but I do agree that the physicality of it would have been totally different. And I don't think, I think so much of this movie is based on the physicality. I think I much prefer Jason Statham. Right. Yeah. And we did, we did get to see Neville Dean Taylor work with (laughs) Nicolas Cage later. We which, sure do. I'm very excited about that. We will get to. Uh, yeah. So this is going to be kind of a real, it's going to be a much shorter series than our last series. Uh, Neville Dean Taylor do not have that many films together, unfortunately. Um, but our next movie that we're going to cover is the film Gamer from also from 2009. Yeah. Um, this was like their first for uh for a outside of the crank franchise together um and it is a very strange movie i'm excited i haven't seen it since it came out so me neither uh this is gonna be weird this is a really strange movie and i'm very excited for it it's gonna be it's gonna be something but yeah, it brings a lot of that same energy. You know, Neville Dean Taylor, they always bring their unique style. Um, they didn't work together for that many movies, but they've done some other stuff separately. Um, it's kind of like how Daniels are these days. I, I hope that Daniels make some more movies together. You know, the guys who made uh, Swiss Army Man. Right. They've got a like a similar vibe. And I think they both got started making like commercials and music videos. Right. It's a very similar kind of vibe. Um yeah. These guys are interesting. These directing teams. Yeah, it's interesting to be a directing team, period. It yeah, I don't know. Right. It's just like there's so much room for conflict if you decide to direct as a team. So it's just an interesting choice, but yeah, and I feel like um the ones that like for like there are a lot of directing teams out there, but a lot of them are siblings. Like right. you don't get as many like the Cohen brothers or the Wachowskis, like you don't get that many directing teams that are unrelated that stick together for that long. So it's right. always interesting to see what that kind of energy brings to a movie. Right. Um yeah, this is this is interesting stuff. I'm excited for the rest of this series. I feel like we're going to get into some very weird stuff here. I think so. I think between this, between Gamer and the next one. <laughs> the next yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Just the next one. We'll just call <laughs> it the next one. Um, I think it'll be a blast. I think we're going to have a good time. Yeah. I think um, before we close out, one th- more thing I wanted to mention is it's kind of interesting that um, Neville Dean Taylor do like all their own cinematography on their movies, which is very unusual. Like they're actually, they're not only serving as cinematographers, they also serve as the camera operators themselves. Like they, they're pretty much filming everything themselves with their own like cameras. 
they're not hiring anyone else to do that job uh which i think really ties into the very specific visual style that they have they know exactly what they wanted to look like and they're they only i guess trust themselves to carry it out (laughs) which is pretty crazy because like like I said, they do some really crazy stuff to get these shots. Like right. when they do those things where they're like on roller skates following a car, that's the directors of the movie doing this. That's insane. That, that's very insane. Uh, they're not just sitting in a chair and calling action. They're doing right. some really crazy stuff to make these movies happen. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I admire that, but that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. They're, they're very interesting a couple of filmmakers so i'm excited to cover some more i hope y'all found this stuff interesting uh i they they're not the most the films of neville dean taylor are not you know time-tested masterpieces by any scene but i think they're very interesting movies and certainly for me at least they were very formative they like hit me at just the right time when i was starting to get into movies right I don't know if I can say that necessarily, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that they like had a huge. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I remember distinctly loving the first crank when I was like getting into like genre like movies in general. Um, and especially like outside, like I grew up on like horror film and like. The first crank was like the first time I'd like watched a genre outside of horror. And I was like, oh, there are other genres that I really like. Not just like, oh, it's horror versus all the rest of film. Like there are other types of like pulpy genres, you know? Um, I feel like crank was like big for me in that way. Um, Because like before I thought it was like, there's movies and then there's horror, which is pulpy and weird and horror. And then there's nothing else that's weird like that. And then it turned out it was like, oh, there's like entire other genres that are just as fucking batshit and like live in this world where it's like it none of it makes sense. And it's like really like pulpy and like full of itself. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that uh, Crank was like the first one of the first experiences I'd had where I realized that like other genres do that, too, not just horror. So, yeah, you know, this was like a period of time in my film watching when I was like. It, it was very much a, a world of contrast. I was getting very into like the pulpy kind of uh, genre films, like all sorts of different kinds of horror and then like action movies like this and like all, all this stuff that's like Tarantino adjacent. Uh, but then also at the same time, like starting actual film classes and learning about like the classic <laughs> movies and stuff. Like it was a very, very di- two very different kinds of films that I was watching at this period of time. Uh, <laughs> And crank is very much the pulpy side of things. But uh, it yeah, it I left the so. <laughs> it left a mark on me in a way. I I'm excited for the rest of this series. Yeah, me too. Um, one bit of movie news I think we should touch on before we close out. This is a depressing yep. note we to finish to. this on. <laughs> I, for some people, it might not be depressing. For me, it's depressing. Uh, so it was announced. <laughs> it was announced today on. Oh. May 20th, 2020, that um, the Snyder Cut of Justice League will be coming out. <laughs> HBO Max. Yes. Snyder Cut. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, to, if for those of you 
unfamiliar with this. First of all, I envy you. But yeah. <laughs> second of all, uh, basically, the, the Justice League movie from the DC Comics Extended Universe was kind of a big disappointment. And fans have sort of justified that by saying that, like, oh, well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Snyder's true vision. Like Zack Snyder, the director, didn't get to do what he wanted to. And if he had, this movie would have been amazing. And they had all these theories for a while about a secret Snyder cut that existed that was like the perfect movie that they all envisioned. So basically it was like whatever you imagine in your mind that the perfect Justice League movie would be, that's what the Snyder cut was. <laughs> it was like it was some sort of like fabled not fabled film that would solve all the problems of the other one. Uh, and they've been clamoring for it for like three years now. And now be partially probably because of everything that's going on in film right now, Warner brothers was finally like, ah, oh, you know what? Fuck it. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to release the Snyder cut. Um, and it's unclear how much of this was something that already existed. How much of it is something where they're just like, Hey, Zach, just do whatever you want with this one and the nerds will pay to see it. But <laughs> uh, they're doing it. They're going to release a Snyder cut next year. Uh, and we'll see how that goes down. I just feel <laughs> so like defeated. The fact that we're going to have a Snyder cut is like, oh, God. I like I mean, I guess. You know, if you're a hardcore DC fan, like, good for you. I'm glad you're happy. For the rest of us, like, I'm just so tired of hearing about this. And now I know I'm going to have to hear about it a lot more. Yes. So I've, <laughs> I'm just not looking forward to that aspect. Like, I, I don't care if this movie comes out. I mean, if you want to see it and now it's coming out and you're happy about it, good for you. But I'm just, I'm just so tired of hearing about it. I really am. I, if I could just not hear about it anymore, that'd be great. You know, it'd be really good. <laughs> yes. But we don't have that luxury. Show. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, we'll close you out for another week. Of Buzzed on movies. Uh, thanks for sticking with us in these trying times. Huh. And uh, we'll be back with our thoughts on more Neville Dean Taylor next time um as always you can find us on all the major platforms we're on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts find us on your favorite platform leave us a review subscribe to us uh and you can also find us on social media we're at buzzed on movies on twitter you can also reach out to us on email buzzed on movies at gmail.com just give us your thoughts on uh know what you're watching right now if you've seen the crank movies before and you have something to say about them let us know and or any of the other neville dean taylor stuff because we're going (laughs) to talk about that too uh and as always we'll see you at the movies well maybe maybe we'll see at the movies we'll see you at the drive-in we'll see at the drive-in you (laughs) jellical fucks